everyone. Welcome to So Good Sisterhood. I'm your host, Julie Mullins, and my husband Todd and I pastor Christ Fellowship Church together. The So Good Sisterhood is a podcast that is all about investing in every girl from every generation. It's this opportunity to have relevant conversations every single month about living intentionally, leading confidently, and loving generously. And hopefully it will leave you saying, that was so good. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the So Good Sisterhood podcast. I'm your host, Julie Mullins, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today. I cannot believe that we are actually wrapping up the first month of 2022, and tomorrow it's already February. Well, we're kicking off season two of this podcast, and it has been incredible to hear from you, the listeners, about how much these conversations are having an impact on your leadership and on your relationships. You know, we love getting your feedback so we can answer the questions that are really burning on your heart and dig into the conversations that are going to encourage you and and sometimes even challenge you to step into the full life that you've been created for. I am super pumped about this season's focused and our special guest lineup. You know, for the next several episodes, we're going to be jumping into what it looks like to lead, to love, and to live in community with greater intentionality. It's going to be all about relationships. We decided to make this our focus because, first of all, like it says in Romans 12, we're just better together. We're better together than we are alone, and we will never fulfill the purpose or the potential that God's placed on our life outside of relationships. And secondly, it's because while relationships can be our greatest source of joy, they can also be our greatest source of pain and anxiety. You know, if you've ever been in one of those moments when you say, it just doesn't get any better than this. Most likely, you were experiencing that amazing moment with people that you love. But in the same way, if you've ever been in a situation where you thought to yourself, oh man, it cannot get any worse than this, it's probably because it had something to do with an argument, a disagreement, or a fracture in a relationship with somebody else. So my prayer for this coming season is that we would step into the messiness of relationships together and that we wouldn't miss out on the wisdom, the encouragement, the refinement, or or anything that is realized in the potential that is waiting for us on the other side of this mess. So We've got some special guests coming up. Todd's going to be joining me again in just a couple of weeks. Lori Champion, the senior pastor of Celebration Church, Jimmy and Irene Rollins and Charlotte Gamble, just to name a few. I cannot wait for you to hear from them. And since one of our keywords is intentionality, we are adding a segment at the top of every podcast to answer your questions. See, I think one of the greatest ways that we can be intentional about our growth in every area is by asking questions. When you ask questions to a mentor, you get wisdom that you didn't even have to work for. When you ask questions to your kids, you gain insight into their hearts. When you ask questions to the people that you lead, you're actually adding value to them and probably saving yourself a lot of time helping them solve problems that they have instead of the ones that you might have in your head. I, I'm One of the most courageous questions I've ever asked the people I lead is, what's it like to be on the other side of me? You know, when you ask God questions in your prayer time and you actually wait to listen for the answers, 
It's amazing what you're going to hear. Well, at the end of last season, we asked you to send in some questions and so many of you did that. So just a shout out to all of you that sent in questions. Keep them coming. Hey, the first one that I got was, what is your current book reading list for 2022? That's a great question because I love to read. And currently I'm reading a few books. And my first book that I'm reading right now is The Eight Paradoxes of Great Leadership by Tim Elmore. And this really covers the challenges that we're facing in a post-pandemic world, the challenge that we're, we're facing in this generation. And it's incredible. Another one that I'm reading is Good Leaders Ask Great Questions by John Maxwell and Discerning the Voice of God by Priscilla Shire. Also, I've got this book that has some short daily entries called Do It for a Day by Mark Batterson. And I read Win the Day last year. And this book is a companion book to that. It was so hugely impactful. And I love getting a daily dose to refresh me of all the things that I learned from that book. Got lots of other books on my list, but I'm going to include those in the show notes because I read a lot and this is is going to be a year for a lot of great books to come. So um, the second question I got was, have you ever had an embarrassing moment while preaching on Sunday? Well, I've had lots of them, but the most recent was about a few weeks ago. Um, I preached an entire message, and when I got off the platform, I realized that my dress was on backwards. That was a little bit embarrassing. I kept tripping over my dress. It was one of those dresses that's a little bit shorter in the front and the back, or it's supposed to be anyway, but it wasn't. And so, yeah, it was awkward and that was a bit embarrassing. Okay, so next, what spiritual practice are you focusing on for this year? Well, every year, instead of resolutions, I try to form one or two new habits, both personal and spiritual. And a few years back, it was writing and declaring declarations every single day as a way of taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ, knowing that at the beginning of my day, that I can take control of the fact that my life will move in the direction of my strongest thoughts. And it was life-changing for me. Um, another personal habit that I, I added that year was taking vitamins. And I know that that's, that doesn't sound very spiritual, but to be honest with you, I, I don't think we can separate the fact that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and I was not doing a very good job taking care of it. So the next year, my, um, my habit was journaling as as much as I admire journalers, I am not a writer. And um, and so this was a difficult habit for me to form. And I, I would just get, it was so daunting just to look at a blank page. And so what I did, I started this habit. I would write three minutes a day. Seriously, I would set a timer for three minutes and I would stop at the end. And it helped me to want to write more. And I know it sounds silly, but for the very first time after several months, I had completed my very first journal and I was able to look back at just little things that God had spoken. I'm up to about 10 minutes now, but um, but that was how I started that habit. But this year, I haven't even told anybody this yet. So you guys are like the first ones to know. I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that I've never actually read the Bible cover to cover consecutively as one complete story of God's epic love story of truth and grace. And so I've jumped in to something called the Bible study. And the Bible study is this year-long plan by Zach Wendall. And I'm engaging in Bible project video teaching and podcasts. And right now I'm in Leviticus. So um, it's a bit rough, but I'm going to make it and I'll keep you posted. And I honestly am actually amazed at all that God has been speaking to me in Leviticus. It's been crazy. Um, but I just, I, I'm excited about sharing some of those lessons in a podcast to come. But a personal habit that I've added this year is 
asking better questions. See, I've realized that I've missed out on so much because I thought I had to have all the answers. So I'm intentionally building a practice in of, of asking questions to anyone who will give me some time to answer them. Even people that that I may not think I have anything to learn from. There is not anybody that I will come across in the next day that doesn't have something that they could teach me. So I'm excited about learning what they have to teach me. So, hey, if you have a question and you'd like to send it in, then you can text the word sisterhood to 441-441, and there's a place to leave questions. And you can also follow us on CF Sisterhood on Instagram because we're going to be giving some prizes away, and we're going to be taking your questions there, and we cannot wait to hear from you. Okay, so today... I wanted to kick off this season by laying a foundation for what I believe could be the key to seeing miraculous breakthrough in every relationship that you are in right now. And I know that that sounds like an overpromise and maybe an underdeliver, but I think if you hang with me a couple of minutes, I really think you're going to agree with me. So I'm going to start with a story um, in the Bible in Mark chapter six. We'll see, I'll back up in Mark chapter five. We read about Jesus performing several miracles in the Gerasenes and around the Sea of Galilee. His ministry is on fire. I mean, it's dramatic. It's supernatural. He's raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. He delivers a demoniac. He heals a woman from this debilitating illness that she's been suffering from most of her life. It's incredible. Well, then we get to Mark chapter 6, and Jesus leaves that part of the country and returns to his disciple with his disciples to his hometown. And then he goes into the synagogue and he begins teaching. And there are people gathered around. Now, remember, this is his hometown and Nazareth is a small village. And so to the people that are in the room hearing him teach, this is Jesus, the kid who, who grew up right down the street, who sat next to their son, Eli, in Hebrew school, right? And so they're listening to his teaching. And, um, and it says in, in Mark chapter six, verse three, it says that they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Judas and Joseph and Simon. And his sisters are right here too. See, it says that they become deeply offended and they refuse to believe him. Well, then Jesus tells him this, tells them this. He says, a prophet is not on, is, is honored everywhere except his own hometown and among his relatives and family. And then it goes on to say that he could not do any miracles among them. And I think it's really interesting that, that it does not say that Jesus would not. It says he could not. It's not that he would not because he was offended, that they didn't believe him. He wasn't offended. He was constrained. And I don't fully understand this because you can't even imagine that the power of God could be constrained. But what we see in the scripture is that this atmosphere of dishonor limited the work that God could do and the miracles that Jesus could perform. See, dishonor it's actually so rampant and common in our culture today. It's really become acceptable. I mean, all you have to do is turn on the TV and listen to the nonstop rants of the personal attacks just because of political differences. You know, disrespect is an epidemic and it's not just television. It's also on our social media. And if we're not careful, what's out there can creep right into our homes and into our relationship. See, it's become acceptable and laughable to disrespect and dishonor people. And when I read this passage, I wonder if dishonor could be the thief that's robbing us from the supernatural work that God wants to do in our relationships. 
He is a miracle working God and his will is to miraculously heal broken relationships and even heal the brokenness in our nation. He wants to release our children into their callings and, and partner with us to bring hope to, to people all around us who have lost hope. But I, I have to wonder if dishonor has become this huge disruption to the supernatural work that God wants to do. And that's sobering. But then I think if an atmosphere of dishonor disrupts the supernatural, what can an atmosphere of honor release? Let me say that again and let it sink in this time. If an atmosphere of dishonor can disrupt the supernatural, what could an atmosphere of honor release in our relationships, in our marriage, in our kids' lives, in our leadership? And you may be thinking, Julie, are, are you taking the scripture a little bit too far? I mean, isn't that a little bit of an exaggeration? Well, before you judge me, remember, Jesus told his disciples in John 14 that they would do greater things than he did. He also said in Matthew 25 that, that what we do to others, we have done to him. See, Jesus cares how we treat what he cares about the most, and that's people, people that he has entrusted in our care by being in relationship with them. And even though honor is almost absent in our culture, it is present and pervasive in God's word. You know, we see it 147 times in scripture. And most of those times it talks about how we honor people. In 1 Samuel chapter one, it says that those who honor me, I will honor. See, we see that the foundation of honor is honoring God first. It's interesting that the word dishonor comes from the Greek word atime, which means to treat as common and ordinary. It doesn't even say to be mean or harsh or rude. It's just common, ordinary, familiar. In that passage about Jesus in his hometown, they were so familiar with him that they treated him as common. See, just because Jesus is accessible, he is not common. Just because he is available does not mean he is ordinary. The God of the universe has given us access to his presence and his power. He is to be honored. See, the word honor comes from the Greek word time, which means to value, to treat as precious and weighty. Our salvation, our relationship, our community of believers, it's valuable it's precious and it's weighty. We can honor him in our worship. We can honor him by spending time with him consistently, honor him on our finances, with our body. But you know, one of the ways that we can honor him is the way that we honor the people closest to us, people that, that he created in his image. In Exodus, it tells us that, um, Exodus tells us to honor our father and our mother. See, God knew that we would have jacked up parents. And he still tells us to honor them. But he also knew that we would become those jacked up parents, which I'm really thankful that he's telling my kids to honor us. See, it's the first commandment that has a promise with it. It's the commandment with a blessing that, that if we could just learn about authority when we're young, that, that our children, that they would have blessing and favor that would follow them in the, in the later years of their lives. In Ephesians, it talks about husbands and wives honoring each other. This is probably the most broken wedding vow. If you're married, remember back when, when you were dating and, and you were both at your very best, looking your best, acting your best. He was opening the car door. You were like, what can I get you, babe? And as soon as we get into the marriage, a few months in, it can be really easy to begin treating each other as common. 
You know, I, I actually think that in this area, it's great to have um, an, um, an honor mentor, right? An honor mentor for your marriage. I, I think about Don and Joy. They're on our staff here and they've been married 56 years. And every time Pastor Don walks in the door, she lights up. And the way that he speaks about Joy and to Joy is always with honor, a tone of honor and words of honor. I think honor releases longevity. Honor releases the other person into their calling, that we would honor husbands and wives, that they would honor each other. You know, in Romans 13, it talks about honoring our government authorities and civil authorities. And in 1 Peter, listen to the scripture, it says, honor everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the king. You have to remember the scripture was written when Nero, the Roman emperor at the time, was killing Christians and burning them at the stake. And I think this is so important that, that as we're living in this culture that, that disparages and dishonors those in authority, we have to remember we, didn't, we never had it this bad. And even though it was that bad, it's still a command to honor those who are in authority of us, o- over us. Um, I think it's important that, that, that we live in this culture that disparages and dishonors those in authority, political office and offices and police officers. We need to remember that we can disagree without being dishonoring. We can stand up for what we believe in without speaking poorly about other people. And this is so important because if you're a believer, I think that this is where we as a church can have a profound impact on our culture, that even if we don't agree, we can still show honor. We will actually stand out in a culture that we're living in. See, this is a passion point of ours that that we want, that Todd and I, we want our church to be known as a house of honor. That's why every week we, we honor those that are serving in the military. That's why we honor our first responders. You know, we have lived through several presidential elections and changes of government authorities, and we've liked some more than others. We've agreed with some platforms more than others. We've probably dis- disagreed with everyone at one time or another, either in policy or in tone. But even though we disagree, it would be really hard to find a dishonoring post on our Instagram or, or words of dishonor spoken from the platform or even in private. And I'm not saying it's easy. This is hard. I get it. How can I speak words of honor about someone that I do not respect? I think it's important to remember that respect is earned, but honor, it's given. Honor can't be taken. It's what we give from our free will. It's, it's even if we can't speak words of honor, we can take on a posture of prayer and pray for our leaders. And then when we take on that posture of prayer, instead of, speak, instead of speaking our mind, maybe we post our prayers on Instagram, right? And I, I know I got a little sidetracked there, but remember, we're talking about creating an atmosphere of honor in our home and in our relationship. There's a couple of truths you need to remember about honor. Honor is not optional, it's commanded. Honor is given, it's not earned. And if you want to create an atmosphere of honor in your relationship, in your home, honor can't be selective. So so how can we create a culture and an atmosphere of honor in our home and in our relationships? And I think the answer can be found in one of my favorite passages in Romans chapter 12, where it says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. I love that word, outdo. 
outdo one another because I'm pretty competitive and I'm thinking this is a really great area to be competitive. And I just wonder, I just have to wonder what our marriages, our relationships, our teams that we lead would look like if we all tried to outdo each other with honor. And I just started thinking about just a few ways. What if we honored God by honoring his church and never speaking disparagingly about other churches or other church leaders? I wonder what supernatural power that could release in the body of Christ. What if when we went to a restaurant, we were the best tipper and the most gracious guest, and we honored the one that was serving us? I just have to wonder if it would stir up a supernatural curiosity. What if we decided to speak words of honor and blessing over people, even when they didn't deserve it? I wonder if maybe they would begin to see themselves differently because we saw them and we spoke words of them that would echo the fact that their creator created them full of purpose and potential. You know, I just want to close with a quick story. And this is a story that I think about whenever I share about this word honor. See, I really believe that when we speak about people and to people with respect and value, we create this space for God to work in their lives. You know, several years ago when our son Jefferson was going through an incredibly difficult time, Jefferson experienced many challenges from the time he was really young, but at 13, he was going through a lot. He was having neurological episodes that were crippling as well as really severe anxiety. And during that time, he had started taking music classes and he had a a 24-year-old music teacher that was teaching him guitar and his name was Danny. And even though at first Jefferson really struggled focusing during his lessons, before Jefferson had ever played one song on the guitar or even sang on a platform at church, Danny spoke these words of blessing over him. He said, Jefferson, you are a worship leader. And I can't really explain it, but something was released in Jefferson, something supernatural. And he spent the next several years stepping into those words. And just a year and a half ago, Jefferson graduated from college with his bachelor's degree in worship ministries. And now he leads worship in our student ministry environments and the blessing goes on. See, remember, the word honor means to treat as valuable, weighty, and precious. Jefferson's calling was valuable. His potential was precious, and Danny recognized that his role in Jefferson's life was weighty. His words of blessing in the way that he honored Jefferson released something supernatural in his life. And this is what we get to do in our lives. This is what we get to do in the lives of the people around us. We can become catalysts of the supernatural when we cultivate a culture of honor in every relationship. See, every relationship that you are a part of has one common denominator, and that's you. So I'll just leave you with this question. What will you do to cultivate an atmosphere of honor to release the supernatural in your relationships this week? Well, I cannot wait to hear how you answer that question. Hey, speaking of questions, I have one more question that somebody sent in. They asked me, do you and Todd ever fight or do you just read scriptures over each other when you get angry? Well, I can guarantee you the second part would not be true of us. But if you want to find out the answer to that question, make sure you join us next time on the So Good Sisterhood podcast. See you then. 
We're so glad you joined us today for the So Good Sisterhood podcast. For additional resources and show notes from today's episode, check out our website, SoGoodSisterhood.com. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but He's always doing a new thing. What step are you going to take today so you don't miss out on it? If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend or just leave us a comment. We hope today's episode leaves you feeling so good. 